Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Picking up where I left off from Wednesday, I'm going to go ahead and play this audio right at the top here from Litchfield, Michigan, which is, uh, this is a school board meeting where parents are going after the school board for the critical race theory nonsense. Uh, the male on the school board is against the critical race theory, and the other females on the board are all for it, uh, including the president of the school board, who you will hear her basically defend the entire thing and how she personally connects with it in some ridiculous way. All of them are white. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and play that. It's about five minutes long or so, so here we go. I've done a lot of research into this transformational equity work document, as well as Mr. Kendi's theory, radical theory, unproven, without a lot of supporting facts. And I'm deeply concerned for my kids who are in this district. I have had over a dozen teachers reach out to me frustrated and upset over what is being thrown their way with this transformational equity work thanking me for speaking up for them because they can't do it themselves for fear of retaliation and possible discrimination. Further on, the document references reducing disciplinary action by race, reviewing library books, and hiring based on race, ethnicity, gender identity, faith, sexual orientation, socioeconomic class, and age. You know what? We fought and battled for equal rights in this country. This doesn't sound like equal rights. This sounds like we're gonna go higher based on meeting a quota. And you know what, in the 80s, we played that game. Uh, how do you increase the diversity of applicants by race? That is illegal. The diversity of hiring should be based on applicants' ability to excel at their job, regardless of their skin color. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they good for the job? Are they bad for the job? And to sit here and make a, a goal about increasing it by race is illegal. And if it and if that goal is absurd, and if HR does not understand it, they should be replaced immediately. So I'm gonna jump in here real quick again. What you the person you just heard is the male board member who is against all of this, and. I got to tell you, I mean, this is Weimar Germany all over again, 100%. Just the the degradation, the perversion, the discrimination, um, the bigotry, all of it, and the normalizing of all of that behavior, even at the hiring level of K-12 schools. I mean, they're openly saying that we're not going to hire whites. They're openly saying that we need to stay away from you know, uh, individuals who are confident and and know and know what they're talking about. So it becomes this game of we're only going to hire people who speak like we do. We're only going to hire people who remind us of ourselves. I mean, again, it's not an accident that the vast majority of the education business, in particular at the K twelve level, is dominated by females. That's the case because they hire themselves. They hire one another. I'm not saying that females don't hire males. They certainly do, and we know that that's the case. I'm saying that they're more likely to hire females. 
as opposed to maybe confident men who know what they're talking about and are well-versed and very qualified in XYZ. But now you've got the school board openly admitting that that's what they're doing. And again, the male school board disagrees with it. Of course, the parents do. Um, It's just, it's a level of unprofessionalism that aligns itself perfectly with Marxism. And there's no denying that because these are all Marxist tactics. And the people who are actually pulling the strings here, the individuals who live in the high rises and, and have their offices way up high and are laughing, 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 that they've brainwashed the local level and the local individuals into believing that all of this is actually a good thing. They are, I mean, they are the enemy, but they have, but the people at the local level have no idea that they're being brainwashed with all of this. They just have no idea. They read one book or one book gets pushed on them and then they start to believe it. And it's really sad. I'll continue. Here we go. These teachers are already stressed out, overwhelmed, underappreciated, and now the district with implementation of this TEW will pit parents against teacher and students against students. And let me just tell you, my kids are a minority group. I am Hispanic. Never once have they come home and said that they felt victimized or discriminated against because of their race or ethnicity. Do you want to know why? Because my children are taught at home the value of people, that you treat people the way that their character and integrity defines them in your view. That is not a place for the district or the board to impose a leftist, and and yes, I'm going to make it political because that's exactly what this document is, a leftist rhetoric that has no place in our schools. So I know that we can make public requests for information. I want to know how many complaints the district has received from parents of minority children about this topic that makes it so heavy in the forefront above their academic skills like math, reading, all of those things. All right, this reminds me of something, too, which I may have brought up in the past, but I'm going to bring it up again. The business of teachers being unappreciated. One of the most insulting weeks that takes place as a K-12 teacher is Teacher Appreciation Week. It is remarkably insulting. First of all, the most effective educators don't need somebody to pat them on the back because they think that that's embarrassing. They tend to be more humble. They don't need people to tell them that they're doing a good job. They're just doing what they know is right, and they just do it, and that's it. But Teacher Appreciation Week is remarkably insulting because you have individuals who are, you know, tend to be in charge, who are, who are known individuals to engage in bullying tactics in the workplace and unprofessionalism or unfair evaluations or whatever it may be. And now all of a sudden... Every K-12 school teacher is supposed to just forget that those people haven't done what they've done, and now all of a sudden they're good people, oh, because look, you find a bag of candy in your mailbox. Because it's Teacher Appreciation Week, and I just want to get on the PA system and tell everybody what a great job they're doing. It's remarkably insulting. It's passive-aggressive nonsense. I, I've, I've never enjoyed it. I've always thought it was stupid. Um, and the vast majority of the most effective educators feel the exact same way. I would walk up to my mailbox, see a bag of candy in it for teacher appreciation week, or somebody would come by with a, 
you know, a, a paper bag with, I don't know, stationery in it. I would throw it away every time. I would throw it right in the trash because it was just a waste of time. Don't waste my time. Don't waste my time and don't waste, don't waste money and school funds on useless crap. If you really wanted to appreciate somebody, look them in the eyes, shake their hand, and say, I really like what you're doing here. Great job. And then leave them alone. That's all you have to do. Now, this next voice that you're going to hear on this board meeting is the president of the school board, and you'll hear her opinion. And it's a doozy. So I drafted the equity statement, and I chose to use the definition of anti-racism by Kendi. I don't pretend to know everything or have all the solutions, but I can look to others and not reinvent the wheel. I chose to propose this definition of anti-racist because it struck a chord with me personally and spoke to taking action instead of just sitting by and remaining complicit with the gap in discipline and achievement in our district. Well, you don't need to convince me because everybody in this room knows exactly and you're just revealing that that it's all about your personal feelings, which I don't think anybody out here taxpaying parents are at all interested in. And they're kind of appalled that our school is going in that direction instead of teaching their kids math, reading, true history, character, how to be good citizens, how to be productive to society so they can have happy lives instead of going around whining, complaining. Okay, another thing here. While I agree with everything that that male school board member just said, I don't agree with the business of, you know, the character building. I really don't. It's not the job of the school to raise the child or raise the student as if, again, they are, as if government is the parent and the student is the child. It's not their job. Character building is not the responsibility of the school. That right there, I mean, that leap that was made somewhere, probably, I mean, it didn't happen in the 80s. It really didn't. I was a student in the 80s, and we didn't do any of that garbage. Same thing in the 90s. We didn't do any of that. This was a early 2000s shift where, where the quote-unquote character-building piece started to show up. Huge mistake. It was a huge mistake. Because there is nothing that shows that it's actually been effective. This is where the social-emotional learning creeps in. This is where the Marxism creeps in. This is where the equity nonsense creeps in. Critical race theory, you see, that's the hill, and that's the slope. And it just picks up speed from there. That's the whole point. It just picks up speed. And then it crashes into something like this, again, where you have parents showing true concern and raising their voices to school board members who are ideologues. Again, it's not the job of the school board member to do these things. It's not the job of a school board member to, to read a book on equity and, and race and critical race theory, believe it, and then implement it. It's not the job of the school board member to do that. That's not their job, but they believe that it's their job. And that's why, again, American K-12 schools are failing, is because you have people who are stepping outside of their bounds. They're going way over the center line on what they need to be doing. School boards, as I've said in the podcast a thousand times, school boards shouldn't even exist. It's an entity and a position that shouldn't even exist. And yet, it exists, and you can see what they're doing. 
Here we go. The governing board is responsible to the people of the district, not their own personal experiences. And therefore should be aware and therefore should be aware of the opinions and attitudes of the community instead of shutting up somebody that expresses them in a board meeting when it's on the agenda. And as representatives of the people who own and support the schools and accept the responsibility to identify community attitudes instead of scorning somebody at a meeting. You're not going to tell me that your efforts are better focused on something like Kendi's theory than on my child's academic success. That is not what you're here for. That is not what the educators are here for. And they should not be burdened with shouldering that when the public hasn't had an opportunity to be a part of that process. That is not what you were elected to do. And just as the gentleman said that in June, we have an opportunity to recall members of the board. I'd like to ask those of you who stand with me to support my efforts and recalling the members of the board who are proposing this product, as they call it. And that continues to be the biggest issue, that right there. That is one of the biggest issues, overreach. It's overreach. And when you have stupid people overreaching and doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, that always falls into the lap of a K-12 school and a K-12 educator, always. Principals do what they're told, and then it falls right into the laps of effective educators who want nothing to do with it, by and large. The most effective teachers know that this is garbage, and they want nothing to do with it. But good for these parents for pushing back. And again, that one lone board member, he can say all he wants, but when it comes down to votes, he doesn't have them. He doesn't have the votes. There just aren't enough people on that board to make any any kind of positive vote in a positive direction that's going to benefit the parents, the students, and the teachers. So again, that's the sick part about school boards. Whatever goes down as being the majority vote, that's, that's it. That's it. But I've said it before too, the fastest way to send a message to a school board and send them into a total panic because they have people that they're responsible to also, not just the taxpayers and the voters, but I mean school board associations. School board associations, I'm putting a smile on my face here because those associations and those groups are in every state, and they will pressure the ever-living hell out of school boards to comply with what they want done. And state departments of education do the same thing on top of them, and then that's, of course, the staircase of hell that takes place. So the fastest way to make them panic is to pull your students out of those schools. And you do it in mass, and you do it immediately. And when that happens, and no one shows up, panic. You're going to have full-blown panic. Now, this next story, again, has a lot to do with the same kind of stuff, the, the equity garbage and the critical race garbage and all of this. But you're probably hearing of all of these schools, some of them are in Oregon now, that are saying that, of course, math is racist. We've heard that that news story before. Um, showing your work is racist. It's an example of white supremacy. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about how stupid that sounds. I mean, what, what next? Showering is going to be white supremacy. That um, cleaning yourself is going to be white privilege. How dare you clean yourself? How dare you cut your hair? How dare you clean your fingernails? I mean, it's just ridiculous. And um, this is exactly what happens when unintelligent people 
take positions of influence or teaching positions, and they can't actually teach their own subject matter. And unfortunately, there are a lot, not all, clearly, but there are a lot of teacher education programs that are pumping these kinds of students out who are completely illiterate when it comes to their actual subject matter. They may be able to pass an area exam in order to get certified to teach their subject in a K-12 school, but once they're actually in there and they get their hands around an actual textbook and they start to do whatever it is that they do, um, what they don't know is that if they think that they're going to push forth any of this white supremacy math stuff um, or, oh, you don't have to show your work, I mean, they're going to lose their jobs. They're just going to get fired. If their students aren't performing, they're going to get fired. And for those that know that, Unfortunately, one of the sort of tricks that they use is they just lighten the load when it comes to their grading. They just start sort of giving out grades and giving out positive grades instead of actually accurately evaluating their students for their levels of knowledge in a variety of ways, whether that be quizzes, longer tests, writing assignments, um, actual papers that they have them write, and then maybe, heaven forbid, edit and then do it again. These kinds of things have to take place. They have to. Because again, the slippery slope of this critical race theory nonsense is by and large going to get a great deal of teachers fired because they're just walking into these buildings assuming that every school is like this. And that's not true. That's just not true. You could get away with this in Chicago, probably in the Chicago public schools, screaming at the top of your lungs that you know, showing your work is racist, but it's not, and everybody knows that. It's it's dumb. It's like saying, um, oh, I don't know. It's 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 so stupid I can't even come up with an example. It's just it's like trying to play baseball with ice cream. It's ridiculous. They're they're screaming at the top of their lungs that ice cream needs to be used in every single baseball game, and if ice cream isn't used, then then we are the fools. We are the morons. It's it's beyond ridiculous. So I hate talking about critical race theory because it's the epitome of stupidity. It's just dumb. And it makes my brain hurt just thinking about how stupid these people are who actually believe that it's real. So I'm going to give you a couple of uh, shift gears here real quick. Here's my take on the Major League Baseball stuff. I said in the last episode I was going to riff about this a little bit, and I will. We've heard about the, um, you hear about the school-to-prison pipeline, as it were, quote-unquote. Uh, students who, who leave school, you know, don't enter college, don't get a job, and then they end up on the street, or they end up uh, breaking the law, and then they end up in jail. Well, there's the sport-to-sport pipeline, so to speak. So at one end in professional sports now, you have, again, the critical race theory, Marxism, destruction of the entire, entire business taking place. The, even, even those professional sports are hiring diversity and inclusion experts. I'm using finger quotes here on the word expert. But those individuals are responsible for 
inviting and bringing in all of the divisiveness. So every piece of divisive behavior that you've ever seen in any sport, you can thank those people because that's what's happened. Now, if you think that that doesn't trickle down to the K-12 school level as far as sports are concerned, it certainly does. However, there are a great deal of individuals, just like I mentioned earlier with teachers and the critical race theory nonsense, there are a great deal of coaches and people who engage in in sporting events around K-12 schools that have nothing to do with any of this critical race theory garbage and nothing to do with this political nonsense. But it's still creating a massive divide, which means what you're going to have ultimately is lowered participation in everything. Now, for me personally, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Less people going to sporting events. I mean, just look around at a baseball game now. No one's going. And I, I, I got to tell you something. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to question the intelligence of the people that go. I mean, if you want to spend $14 on a beer and $7 on a hot dog, be my guest. I remember a day when it was a dollar for a beer and 50 cents for a hot dog. I'm not that old. And that wasn't that long ago. Less than 20 years ago, it was that way. But that's another story for another time. The point is, is that you're going to have lowered attendance at the professional level, which is only going to mean you're going to have lowered participation at the K-12 school level. And I think that, again, I think that's a good thing. I think the less students that play sports and that are sucked in by the bread and circus, the more likely they are to maybe learn the phrase and the saying, bread and circuses, and look up that history of that phrase and start to recognize that it's the sporting events that have always been the distraction. It's the sporting events that have always actually been one of the larger problems to keep people purposefully from learning about who actually runs the world and who actually runs the show. Heaven forbid, you know, they they put down a ball and they pick up a book. I don't know if the ball is going to change a person's life. I can assure you that a book will. A book will change a person's life. It just does. So, I mean, that's, that's I don't know. That's my take. Um, I'm all for lowered participation in sporting events. I, I, wish, that, I wish that more students would read more um, because it's, it's the reading that's going to take them further. It really is. Uh, any, any modern individual who is well-known or well-thought-of in, in the public eye. And I'm going to go back in time here, but I'm going to use Thomas Sowell as an example. I'm, I'm certain Thomas Sowell liked baseball. He, was, he may have even played when he was a child. I don't know. What I do know is that he liked books a whole lot more. And look where it's gotten him. Again, I'm not saying that some people don't have a God-given ability to play a game. But I assure you that books are going to take people a whole lot further. So, I don't know. That's, that's my two cents on that. Now, two last stories here. Um, and this is, pre- is pretty messed up. Cornell University is now not going to allow students or staff back to their campus unless they get vaccinated. Again, they're not going to be the only ones that do this. K-12 public schools are going to do this, and it will be a nightmare. And again, I hope you see lowered participation in those, in those areas that are forcing such a thing to actually take place. Um, 
I've gone over the unhealthy nature of the shots in the last episode and in countless episodes, and it really is disturbing. The number of people that have died have permanent neurological damage. It's, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable how many of them there are. And now, again, I heard this just the other day on talk radio, but you have entire school districts uh, in Virginia getting vaccinated. All of their staff members getting vaccinated. All of their students allegedly getting vaccinated. The ones that are still actually attending in person. It's ridiculous. They're going to get sick. They don't know the long-term effects of these of these viruses, let alone the harmful and deadly short-term impact. It really is awful. Um, on that same vein there, I saw a picture on Gab the other day of people who are actually getting vaccine tattoos. So you talk about virtue signaling. I don't think it can, it can possibly get any worse than that. Actually getting tattoos of the company names of the vaccinations on your arm to show people that you've been vaccinated. Because we know how tattoos work. A person gets a tattoo and then they show it off to people. And that's exactly what's happening here. They're getting in groups. They're taking pictures of it. It's, again, it's, the, it's just the epitome of stupidity. And it blows me away each and every time. Um, okay, here's the, here's the final thing. And this is equally as disturbing. I came across this on greatawakening.win, and it's also on Instagram. And I'm going to link the video to this in the description below this podcast, if you even have the stomach to watch it. But it's called the VR Vaccine. And it is a virtual reality simulation that you put the virtual reality goggles on the face of a child in a doctor's office, and then it makes it easier for the child to be comfortable with taking the shot because they're seeing this virtual reality nonsense uh, instead of actually seeing the doctor's face uh, jabbing them in the arm. It's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. And the people that are participating in this are, are absolute monsters. Here's where it gets even worse. In the VR game itself, there are pedophile symbols that are being used. And the one symbol that is on the armor of the particular character who's administering the shot is it's the symbol for boy lover. So... If you're not into or you don't know anything about either numerology or symbolism, my recommendation is that you start paying attention to it because it's everywhere. And I mean everywhere. And the people that put all of this together are absolute monsters. Um, me personally, I have no threshold for listening to children scream at the top of their lungs when a doctor is running at them with a, with a syringe. I think the entire thing is barbaric. But... To, to make up a virtual reality game with pedophile symbolism throughout to make it easier for the child to take a shot, I think is equally as barbaric. So I'm going to link that below. If you have the stomach to watch that video, go, go for it. Um, you can take a look at the picture on my Gab account too, but there you have it. So it never ends. It really just never ends. The nonsense never ends, but I'm going to keep bringing it up because it has to keep being brought up. And, uh, we gotta, we got to continue to wake people up to this stuff. So there you have it. Have a great weekend. Catch you on Monday.
Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.